the two can't be separated, it's the mystery of Hashem, then, then I, the Rebbe is saying, I'm from among those few people in the world who are trying to understand, who are trying to make this connection. The mystery of the universe is inseparable from the mystery of Hashem is Baruch Himself. So I'm among the, I'm, so he says, I, I'm amongst those fools who's trying to understand. But he says, Oz bestakli beside chasid Hashem, gamlias min misay sider lefamim ani magia leitem ani ayla. Because my effort in understanding the universe is not is not scientific. I'm not trying to win any Nobel Prize. I'm not. Uh, that's not the purpose of my of my journey into the universe. My purpose is to understand more about Hashem's Baruch and to be more attached to Hashem. Therefore, he feels that this gives me permission. This allows me to to make this investigation. It's difficult to understand. The Baal Shem said, that when a person looks deeply into you, meaning into the world, he will see the master of the world. Your master, the master of the world. Even though I haven't been worthy to find you in such a way as the Baal Shem said, by gazing into the world to find the master of the world, or like Avram Avinu. Therefore, I haven't been, I haven't reached this point of being able to gaze into the face of the master of the world, so to speak. However, I did take a peek. And I have discovered that God is hidden in your secret, in your mystery. In other words, Lahavdal Elif Alpha have dollars and more. There was a there was a, a beautiful poem that was written called the Learned Astronomer that I've mentioned a number of times here over the years. So it made a very deep impression on me, and uh, I just I didn't want to read the the, the actual nusach of the poem in the context of what we're doing. But the the basic the basic point of the of the poem written by one of the great American poets is that there was a uh, there was a certain person that was attending a lecture. Uh, in a very large uh, lecture hall in the university where there was a tiny little professor because they were sitting like in the grandstands and there was a tiny little professor that was standing by the blackboard and, and drawing diagrams about the universe. Uh, and the, uh, in a very, very beautiful way, the, uh, the student, this particular student, uh, describes how he can no longer take, he can no longer bear being uh, stuck in this, in this lecture hall with the professor describing the universe on the blackboard. To, uh, to everybody with their notes, the notebooks opened, and he and he ran out into the great, moist, mystical uh, evening air and stared with in, in great wonder at the stars. He stared. He looked up in great wonder at the stars, meaning that that the the person the person was longing to experience the mystery of the universe, and and the professor was simply going about the business of describing something scientifically uh, on a blackboard that could not, uh, where the, the essence of the universe, the, the beauty, the grandeur, the greatness of the universe is that which, which one can only experience by, by, by staring up in wonder at the stars. And what the Rebbe is saying here, Lahavdal, what the Rebbe is saying here is that um, I, I, haven't, I haven't discovered Hashem in my, in, in, in my uh, stargazing. I haven't I haven't what the Baal Shem said in finding Hashem, but he says perhaps on some level I have peeked at him. Why? 
because he says that when he says that I, I've, I realize and, it's, and it strikes me in a very very strong way that Hashem is hidden Davka in your secret in your mystery that's where Hashem is hidden that Davka the, the great the great awesome infinite secret that's, that, that the universe that surrounds man itself is, is a peak at the, at, the hidden, at the hidden mystery of Hashem's Baruch. And, and, and I mentioned once that one of, it's a famous uh, story, I, I, I don't know whether it's true, but I saw that, that one of Einstein's great students, uh, Sir Eddington, that uh, he himself was a genius of, uh, of a very uh, high caliber, was asked to deliver a, a paper on the subject of the relationship between science and religion. He was a devout Christian. And he was asked to deliver a paper on the subject of the relationship between science and religion, and uh, and um, and he uh, began by saying that there was a fellow who I'm sure many of you have heard this, that there was somebody who uh, was standing by a street corner someplace um, looking for something, and a nice fellow passed by and asked, "Could I help you? I see that you're looking for something. So, so what did you lose? He said, I lost my I lost my keys." So. Um, the usual dumb question is, did you lose them here, right? So did you lose them here? So he says, uh, no, no, I didn't lose them here. So why are you looking here if you didn't lose them here? He says, because this is the only street lamp in the neighborhood, so this is the only place where there's any light, so I'm looking here. So uh, <clears throat> he says, where, where did you lose them? So he said, well, uh, most likely uh, I lost them. I was playing with the kids in, in, in the backyard a couple of miles from here, someplace in the backyard, but there's no, li there's no light over there. So I'm looking here. So uh, Professor Eddington said that that the uh, problem that people have is that each person is looking for God under his own street lamp, right? So meaning that it has to fit into your your perception, your understanding, or what you're comfortable with, and, and that part of your life which is illuminated, because it's the nature of a person to try to discover the truth. I remember I, I remember that when I was in that when I was in yeshiva, there was a certain Jewish fellow that was a Michigana. He was supposed to be some, some brilliant mathematician that lost his mind. And uh, you remember him? He used to stand in front of the building there uh, he, with, with like pages and pages of statistics from, from uh, World Series and ball games from over the, you know, the last 70 years uh, as proofs of God's existence from statistics and things. And, and the you know, Yankees and Brooklyn Dodgers. He was a Jewish fellow. He used to stand there by the yeshiva. But this was his, this was his street lamp. This was his light. Uh, in, and, and therefore, his effort to discover God was going to take place in, uh, um, th through uh, looking over the statistics of uh, you know World Series and things. Um, and and, and, uh, and the, this type, this biologist will look for God in that place, and the historian will look for God in history, and so it is. But what what Professor Eddington was saying is that is that where one f where w the uh, the great the greatest likelihood that uh, where you're going to find God is dafka in, in the darkness of the night, meaning in the mystery of what you don't understand, not dafka under the street lamp of what you already understand. <coughs> Hashem is that mystery, and Hashem is hidden. That's what the Rebbe is saying, is that your master, meaning the master of the universe, is hiding in the secret of the universe. And over time, I believe, it's that, that, the, more, that the more scientists have come to realize the awesome nature of the universe, uh, the less confident they've become in their own, in their own kaiches. Over the last hundred years, there's been, there's been a, it's been a very humbling experience. The scientists, the so-called scientists of the, uh, of the early 20th century, the late 19th century, uh, had much greater egos 
than the than the, the scientists who understand more and more and more about the universe because the realization is that uh, as Einstein himself said the realization as as they're understanding more about the universe the more the more they realize that 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 the mystery is just is, is the mystery is absolutely is uh, is awesome he says loy esa hester vese adro he says, I, I, it's not only the concealment and the hiddenness that I've seen, that I've felt when looking at the world, that Hashem is concealed in nature, as you know, that Elohim is, that Elohim is, is, is Teva the Gematria. Ragam esa'or v'gam esa'hester. I've seen the concealment and I've seen the revelation. Again, there are two things that are taking place when one looks at the universe. Uh, one looks at, at the events of the world as well. Uh, on the one hand, there's concealment because... And, and, the, and the purpose of nature is to hide Hashem. And nature does, in one respect, hide Hashem. So there are laws of nature and there are certain processes that are taking place that for the person who's not seeking the truth, who's not seeking Hashem, they could be the greatest mask. Right? The Esaramachis for many people means, uh, means the opposite of what it means for us. The ten plagues uh, mean, you know, different, uh, different changes in the climate and... Uh, and so on that were taking place in Egypt in, 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 in fast succession at that time. So for one person, the same, the same experience in nature could mean concealment of Hashem. For another person, this, the very same experience is, is one of revelation, is one of seeing. So the Rebbe says that I have seen the concealment and the revelation, the or and the hester. As a side, ki or hu ra'isi. What the Rebbe is saying is that the very concealment the very mystery is itself a revelation. In the concealment, I feel a revelation. In the in the, the the mystery itself, to me, is is the is the most wondrous revelation of God's greatness. The concealment, the mystery itself. The Rabbi Nachman Breslover once said to a certain person who expressed doubts and difficulties in understanding. He said he said that 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 if I would understand God, I would be God. Right. So. When one stands before the great mystery of Hashem, <clears throat> the very concealment itself is a source of revelation. When I saw that you, meaning the universe, that you're one great mystery, my heart and soul became filled with understanding and with seeing. With understanding and with seeing. Davka through the mystery. Now it sounds like the, like the poem that I mentioned before. And he says, and when I tried to investigate and to understand, meaning using my intellect, using cold intellect, when I tried to understand, in other words, when I tried to unmask Hashem, when I tried to, or when I tried to, to solve the mystery, then that entire feeling disappeared. That entire experience of revelation disappeared, and then it became the little guy, the little professor, I guess, on the blackboard someplace. You know, that's what it became. That's what it becomes. I no longer saw anything, and I no longer perceived or grasped anything. Shuv Hester Besulo, all that I was left with then was just concealment, and there was no revelation at all. So it's Davka, it's Davka through the mystery and not understanding. And just experiencing that that um, that you're standing like the Rambam describes that the, that 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 feeling of standing before something that is 
that is infinite and something that is totally beyond the reach of a human being, beyond the, the grasp of a human mind. That is, the, that, that is what created the revelation. That is what gave the, the Rebbe that experience of, of being in Hashem's presence. Once, once you try to put it down into the notebook, and you take out your calculator and you start well, and you start up with all of that. Not that the Rebbe was against uh, scientific inquiry, but that's not the point. As far as as far as the relationship between Hashem and the universe is concerned, once it becomes a matter of study and not a matter of experience, so then uh, so then it's already it's already uh, then the hasaga that that peak at Hashem is, is lost and, and 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 that's it. And the, you know the lights are turned on and the show is over. That's the end of it. Yeah, he's definitely saying that. Not, not only God, man, not only not only God, but God, but man can't even grasp the universe intellectually, which we know to be true. <coughs> but it's in the not grasping that one becomes filled with the wonder of Hashem. See, that's uh, for children. It's much easier to be religious than adults, as we know. For children, it's much easier because children are, are an absolute wonder at everything that they see, because they don't have the they don't have any their understanding. Their understanding does not interfere with the wonder. So a child sees a child sees something that you and I would say, "Well, come on, that's just you know, that, that that's uh, the reason that that's happening is because of the precipitation and the uh, and you know the humidity and so on. And that's why you know, this particular this particular thing is happening right now in the world. But uh, that that spoils it for the child. Not not that, that not that we're supposed to remain ignorant of, the, of of how things work. But, you see, there's something great about a tzaddik. The, the nature of a tzaddik is, the way of a tzaddik is, that, that his, under, his scientific understanding of something does not, does, not, uh, does not block his feeling of wonder at something. And that's a very, very, hard, that's a very high level to achieve. For most people, once, and, 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 you know, what, what's uh, ridiculous is that, that uh, I, I mentioned this also a few times, that I, years ago, I remember I read a study that... Um, that there were that that, uh, that was taken uh, that was in California, where there were something like 500 liberal arts professors and 500 uh, scientists who were who were um, who filled out a questionnaire about uh, about religion, and um, and it came out that something like like um, 89 or 90 percent of the scientists believe in a in a creator who's involved with the universe. And something like 85% of the liberal arts people, uh, of the liberal arts people, did not accept the creator. And the and of those, something like 95% gave the explanation of the liberal arts people that there isn't enough scientific evidence. So the scientists were were my meaning, and the and the liberal arts people they, they couldn't they couldn't believe because there's not enough scientific evidence. Now the terrorist is that Davka the scientists who spend every single moment of their lives looking at something which is infinite. You see, William Shakespeare, besides that he was a big manoeuvre, he was he was he is a finite mind. You could you could you could you could put out all the Rishonim and Achronim on, on Shakespeare that you like. He, it, it's just it's just man's imagination. It's just man, it's just fantasizing about what about what that finite, although brilliant person uh, said, besides most of what he had was, was anyway stolen and copied from other people. But but the the, the uh, the, the, the davening upstairs. Here, here, upstairs. The the um, the scientists, however, their ASIC in the world was the infinite, 
right? Their, their ASIC in the world is the infinite. That's what they're involved with. They're, they're studying something which is infinite. They're peeking into God's mind. And that is something which for many of them, if they're, if they, if they're humble, because humility, is a, humility, of course, is the requirement here. If somebody is humble, if somebody is not humble, so then the Chazal already said, then Hashem says, I can't live in one world together with a person who, who's an egomaniac. I can't live in the same world. He doesn't allow Hashem to come in. There's no room for Hashem in that person's, in that person's mind. So there's nothing except that person. Right? Uh, as I, I've mentioned many times, that a philosopher once said that everybody believes in God, it's just that he thinks that it's him. Right? It happens to be me. Of course God exists, but it's me. So then there can't be anything besides you. Anihu v'loacher. Right? It's only me. But for the humble scientist who spends his life uh, looking into looking into the infinite and staring into the into the into the into the uh, into the infinite, that that could be an, an unbelievably moving experience, as we see from Einstein's later autobiographical entries. And uh, he was on the verge of something very very great. You know that was Shema Yisrael Hashem Hashem Achad. That's what he was on the verge of discovering in the, in the last the last years of his life, the last moments of his life. He was almost up to voracious. Just what we're starting, Mr. Shem, we're going to be landing tomorrow. So that's where Einstein almost, with all of his brilliance, but he, but it was he worked hard to get there. We brought Hashem. We received it from we received it from our parents. Uh, Einstein was Einstein was was struggling to get there. Nabuchodonosor he died, but he was oh he was holding by voracious Kim, just about the first pasuk in Chumash, just about. So. So that 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 is uh, that is something that that is something that uh, that the Rebbe is describing here that 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 it's it's impossible to grasp, and not only that that when a person tries to understand something intellectually, then obviously that that means that you're removing the mystery. That means that the mystery is finished. The mystery is finished. In relationships between people, also you have uh, people that that they're engaged and they they fall in love and. And and uh, and a great part of a great part of what they call love is just the mystery of not understanding. But then over the years, Nabuch, once they feel that they've understood each other over the next week or two, that they understand each other and they know where they're holding. So then you know, so, shine. That's already uh, uh, part of the uh, a large part of the romance could be could be already finished. Unfortunately, in a very short time. <coughs> where there's mystery, there's romance. And, and I and I mean it in the relationship with Hakadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, the universe, the Rebbe says, I have seen the concealment and the revelation. That's what he's saying. Yeah. It's one thing seeing a phenomenon and not knowing why it happened and just wondering, but then you see, you learn more how it happened. Yes, no question about it. There's no question that, that, that by delving into something at a deeper level and then, and, and then standing back with humility, and in wonder, that's not a contradiction. Moshe Rabbeinu was a, Moshe Rabbeinu was a, was, a, was a brilliant person. So, but when he passed, when he passed the snare, the burning bush, he stopped to look at it. Probably we would have just run away. We wouldn't have even said, oh, well, maybe call like, the fire department or something. But we wouldn't, have, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have even realized that it wasn't that it wasn't burning. We wouldn't have even noticed that it wasn't burning because we probably wouldn't have stopped long enough to see. Because, uh, uh, because the the problem here, the problem here is that is that it's it's not since since we're not we're not looking for Hashem at everything that we see, so we don't stop to look at something uh, on a deeper level. The 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 um, 
there are many, many people who spend their entire lives studying the universe but never experiencing it. Just like the people who study Hashem, study the Torah, and, 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 it doesn't, and it doesn't mean anything to them. What the Rebbe is talking about here is the wonder, and that's and that's what I'm uh, that's what I mean when I'm talking about children, children who are who are very very much in wonder. So the Rebbe's not uh, uh, the, the Rebbe's not recommending that we remain uh, as children in our understanding of things, uh, and obviously part of growing up uh, means to understand more. But there is something very sad in that as well. Uh, it, w it would be wonderful if we could have the brilliance of of the Rogachever or let's say scientifically lahavdal of, of, an, of an Einstein or a Sir Isaac Newton, but to remain as innocent and as pure-hearted as the Chavetz Chaim, right? That would, be a, that would be a wonderful thing. And the Chavetz Chaim is a genius as well, right? But the, the brilliance of the Chavetz Chaim uh, never, never took away from him the mystery of the burning bush. But for us it does. You have to be on a very high level to be able to study, to study the burning bush, that there's something weird in the world. In other words, there's, there's things on fire, but it's not being burned. Right, so this is this is strange. That would have been that, that would have been maybe you know in the science section of the Times in the fourth page, that a strange phenomenon was discovered someplace in the Middle East that there's that there's something that's not the, and there would have been a whole discussion among scientists about about the oxygen is not being consumed in a certain way and so on and so forth. <coughs> but Moshe Rabbeinu st stuck around and and he, and, and, um, and he heard Hashem. So that that's that's a that's a very very great thing to achieve. It's a very hard thing to achieve. To be to understand and to be in wonder, when a person is humble, and Maishu Rabbeinu is the most humble person in the world, where there's humility, one's understanding does not block, does not cloud the mystery, like you're saying, Liz. You're right. The other Rabbi, by looking to something more, every single every single place, wherever you look, you see Hashem. Wherever you look, and if you're not humble, then 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 you could be you could be looking into the Kaddish Hakadoshim, and you just see like some fancy looking in a nice you know nice place. But you don't see Hashem. It all depends on, on whether or not there's a place inside of you to, 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 to sense the mystery. But it's just, it's very beautiful and it's very poetic. The tzaddik is describing this, this, uh, this feeling that he had. So what he's saying is that, that, you know, basically what he's saying is that only when he accepted that the universe is a secret, when he accepted and he came to, when he came to realize that the universe is a great secret, could he, on some level, Take a peek into Hashem and be and be enlightened and be illuminated by Hashem's presence. But only when he accepted that it's a secret, not that I understand, I know, and it's within the confines of my of my of my uh, intellectual grasp. Then then it's just you. It's not Hashem. So that's what he writes here. Loma tishamek kolkach olam. So the Rebbe says the Rebbe says to the world, Why are you trying to hide so much? Why are you hiding? Why do you allow the fools to become more to become more physical as a result of being connected to you? Right? The word olam is, is Chazal already said that the word olam is the word he'elam, which means concealment. So the Rebbe is saying to the world, why are, you, why are you allowing the fools to become more deceived by you? To become more, more, more deceived, more fooled by, the, by you? The, what the world, what the world should do, what, you know, is what the Rebbe saying is to the universe that what you should do is bring uh, bring the world back to Hashem. But instead, what you're, what, what's happening to many people who are looking at you, the fools who are looking at you, is that it draws them further and further away from Hashem when they look at the world. And again, it doesn't just mean. I don't believe. I don't think the Rebbe just means the the, the galaxy. The Rebbe is talking about 
you know, historical, socio-political movements, everything, the world, and all that, all that the world contains and all that the world means. So for many, many people, uh, for most of the world, looking at the world and studying the world is, is, uh, is a way of, of going further from Hashem. But for the Rebbe, the Rebbe was frustrated by this because when he looked at the world, when he studied the world, he felt that he was peeking at Hashem. He was getting a peek. <coughs> so he says, <laughs> When in truth you are a window into the chamber of the king. The world, the universe, is really, in truth, he says, is a window into the king's chamber. Why are you causing the heart of the one who is seeking to become weary in the soul and torment the soul of the one who is looking, who is seeking. Haser is hamosach. Remove, the, the Rebbe is calling out to the universe, to, to the world, remove your mask. Remove the concealment. In other words, it's, it's enough of this game already. So that I could move forward, take steps, and go through your entrance into the place of holiness. And there I will drown. There I will immerse myself in, in, into, the, into, that, into that secret. The Rebbe is saying, the, the Rebbe is describing the, the unbelievable, amazing silence of the universe. And he says, the world, he says, you have so much to say without making a sound. You don't make a sound and, and you're saying so much. You are like the great tzaddikim, those who are, are, are the great deep thinkers. Again, who contain so much but who say so little. Who, who are filled with so much but hardly speak. And I, and I, once, I once mentioned a few months ago about when Rabbi Levine, the great tzaddik from Yushalayim, that he had a certain very, very difficult decision that he had to make uh, for his family's future. And, uh, and he, went, he went to, to, uh, to go to Rav, he went to Rav Cook to try to speak to Rav Cook about it. And he, went to, he went to Rav Cook's house, where I was able to be, I don't know if any of you have been there. So he went to right over to Rav Yafo. He went to Rav Cook's house, and, uh, and the rabbits and told him that Rav Cook was coming back shortly, he's not, he's not home. Attached to Rav Cook's house is a small bis medrash. Where he used to daven, they used to daven every day. The yeshiva was originally there, so uh, so he so Rabbi Levine described that said that he went into he went into uh, into the bismedrash to, to learn until Rav Kook would return, and he went there. And uh, who was sitting there in the corner? Rabbi David Cohen, the Nazir, so a very remarkable person. Without going into the history of that person, the biography was a very remarkable Jew who was studying psychology, psychoanalysis in Switzerland when Rav Kook was in Gaulus and Rav Kook was in Switzerland. And when he met him, it was like, it was like Elisha meeting Eliyahu. It was some cataclysmic thing took place in the, in, in the soul of the Nazir. Much of the Aris HaKadosh that we have were actually compiled by the Nazir. So uh, he was a, a tremendous Tamachach and a great Sadiq. His son is Rav Shayosh of Cohen, who's the Rav of Haif. So, so the, uh, the Nazir was sitting there, was sitting and learning at the table in the Bismedrash. And Rabbi Levine, al Heretz, he went over to the Nazir, and the Nazir looked up from the Nazir looked up from the, his sefer and, and nodded and, and motioned to, to Rabbi to, to, to have a seat. 
And Abayi sat down across the Nazir, and the, and the Nazir was just uh, thinking. And Abayi Levine was there. They didn't speak at all. And, um, and after that, uh, Abayi Levine had his answer. He was there for a few minutes together with the Nazir. He had his answer to the, ish, to the question, and he didn't need to go speak to Rav Kulkabad, and he, he left. Um, a few days later, so Rabbi met Rav Kook, and Rav Kook said, no, what do you say about my Dovil? Uh, what do you say about my Dovil? Meaning about the Nazir, what do you say about him? <coughs> it's not just, he says, Rav Kook said, did you ever meet anybody that says so much without saying a word, that has so much to say without speaking, as, as my, as my Dovil? And that's what, that's, uh, that's what Rav Kook said. There's such a thing? He says, these Sadiqim who are the Amuke Hamachshava, the deep thinkers, the universe, so the Rabbi says that you're like that. You're so silent, but you're saying so much. You're like those who are attached to the great secrets of this, uh, of, of Rosim, meaning Rose Elyon, of the deep secrets of Kabbalah. These people who are who are shkum, uh, who are immersed in the Rose Elyon, in the greatest, most exalted secrets. That's what the universe is like. Therefore, he says, Bishtikaschem, Cherdas Elokim Aleinu Tapilu. In your silence, the, the fear and the awe of Hashem falls upon me. In your silence. Ubizdabkuschem, Gam Onu Badonenim is Dabkim. And in your attachment to Hashem, I also become attached. Through your attachment, the Rebbe says, to the universe, to, through the world's attachment, I also become attached to my master, to the master of the world. <laughs> Fortunate is the person who is able to, through, through the universe, to seek Hashem. In deed and in thought. And can serve Hashem together with you in your service of Hashem. From world to world, from the highest level to the lowest level. So that's the Rebbe. The Rebbe finds this hint that in the in the words that we're familiar with, from the world, from one end of the universe to the other universe, end, end of the universe, from one from one aspect of the universe to the other aspect. You are Hashem, which means. The last second of all of this, the last words, he's no longer talking to the universe. N now, of course, he's talking to Hashem, because it's Hashem that's there all the time. So he says, Min ha'olam ata, you are God. The entire world, the entire, all that I see around me, so he says, Min ha'olam ata, kel, you are, you are God. <clears throat> so, all those, all those people who are, all those uh, 17, 18 year olds, who don't have time to learn Torah because they say that they have to go, just like the Rambam studies secular things, they're going to go and have to study secular things. They can't put in an extra year or two of learning because they have to. The Rambam was also uh, was also a secular scholar. So this is a sentence that, that I've heard uh, over the years, thousands of times. If you were able to look at the universe, like this is how the Rambam saw the world. This is how the Rambam looked at the world. The Rambam's greatness, when a person, when a person... And then the Nitzir writes about this in his commentary on Shir Shirim. Can the world, and looking at the world and studying the world, bring a Jew closer to Hashem? The answer is absolutely yes. There's no question about it. 
but it's only a person who's been studying Torah and who's and who's seeking God and who's humble. But 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 uh, that's already that's you might not ever get around to it. You know, you might not have the time. A person who's learning Torah on a deep level, and a person who's and a person who's trying to find Hashem and is working on his own midas, that person when he looks at the world, it could be this kind of an experience, like the Rebbe experienced. But but um, but if it's a question of if it's a question of um, of a degree. So then you, you you might be fooling yourself if you think that if you think that the Rebbeinu Shalom is waiting for you in the cafeteria of Queens College or wherever you happen to go, so there might be other people who are waiting there for you, but it's not the Rebbeinu Shalom. That's uh, that that's one of the great jokes of the century, of the last century it began. It's continuing, I think, in this century. Now this next Tyra here. This next Tyra. Uh, it's. Um, I think it's just what we're talking about. It's really very hard to understand. It's just we have to experience it together. Uh, we're not going to be able to do the entire thing. It's, it's, it's unquestionably one of the most remarkable couple of pages anywhere in the writings of any of any tzaddik that you've ever seen anywhere. And um, and it comes at a perfect time because the Rebbe here is reflecting back on on this is right after Yontif and Tuf raised tzaddik Gimel 1933. Right after the end of Simchas Torah, after all the Yom in 1933, probably a day or two afterwards, just like we're holding now. So the Rebbe is the Rebbe is reflecting back upon the experiences of the of the Yom of the Yom of Tafres Tzadik Gimel. That's what he's describing here. This is all one great tefillah. This is this is this is just absolutely remarkable. It's chaval to interrupt it in the middle, but we'll have to do it in two parts. Rabbanu Shloilam, Master of the Universe, Shemea Kol Bechyais, who hears the sound of crying. Matase in Kol Dimais Yisrael, what are you going to do, Hashem, with all of the tears of the Jewish people? They were poured out that so much so many tears were poured out. over these days of Yantif. And Hashem, what are you going to do with the oceans of tears? over the past twenty years. Could you imagine what was coming up? He wrote this in nineteen thirty three. What was going what was what was just around the corner? So he says, Hashem, what are you going to do with the ocean of tears that the Jews have been crying over the past 20 years? And what about all the oceans of tears that have been that have been pouring from the days of the Nevi'im, from the days of the prophets till now? Are you, God forbid, allow, are you going to allow these these rivers of, of fiery passion, of longing to be lost, are they are they gone? All the crying and screaming of Jews. Nahari esh kodesh kamayim. Umatase im demaysach. And then I have another question for you, Hashem. What about your own tears? He says. What about your tears? Shatamorid kivyochel b'chol yom al churbaneinu v'altsaraseinu. What are you going to do about your own tears that you yourself have admitted to us that you don't stop crying over the Chorban and our suffering? What are you going to do with those tears, those oceans? 
<clears throat> so are they going to be like rivers that get lost in the sea, that disappear and that are somehow just absorbed into, into something else? Shemea kol bichyos. The one who hears, you who hears the sound of crying. Harbei oilamos barasa. You have created many worlds. Ubriyais ein misper. The chol echad mehem asisa. And you have created an infinite number of beings in each of these worlds. Umibain kulam. Rakis haodam laavaydos hechsharte. And amongst all these billions and trillions, countless beings that you've created, only man has been given the opportunity and has been prepared and is equipped to serve you. Aval kulam elecha oiref And all of creation. And, and all of you, all human beings who have the ability to perceive you and who have the capacity to, to connect to you. All of mankind. Aval kulam elecha oiref Who have turned they're back to you. And they have rejected you as master of the world. And only the Ish Yisrael, the Jew. He's the only one in this entire world. Who serves you with all of his heart and soul. Of Harachman, compassionate father. You know that he's beaten for your sake. He's being beaten and being killed only for your sake. Vata sabit? Question mark. Vata sabit? And you just, you seem to be just looking at this, just like watching, like a spectator. <coughs> their tears and the, moist, the moisture, the moistness of their souls, the passion of their souls are flowing like rivers, like water, for your sake. Vata Tachrish. And you, you don't seem to be moved at all. You're silent. You don't seem to be moved. Uh, it was there was already it was already something that yeah, this there's, there's there's plenty of prophecy in it as well. Because of you and for your sake. Because we're Jews and we're serving you, the whole world, the whole world mocks us and ridicules us. And because we refuse to reject you and to turn away from you like the rest of the world, they beat us. Now, are you going to add to these makis? Are you going to contribute to these beatings? We are running to you. We're trying to escape to you, Hashem, from the destructive fires of the world that are seeking to destroy us and from the, and from the mouths, the teeth of the lions who are, trying to, who are trying to bite us, to kill us. And your way of responding to this, to our efforts to run to you and to come to you, is that you hide your holy face from us. We strengthen ourselves and we call out saying, 
Yeishlonu of b'shemayim. We have a Father in Heaven. Fa'ata shari shemayim bad chesizkar. And you, re, you, you respond by, by closing the shari shemayim, the gates of shemayim. Ve'zakaseinu chasoshom le'sakshiv. And God forbid, you're not, you're not going to listen to our screaming to you. Hein gam chaitem anu. He says it's true. He says, Hengam Chaitamanu. It's true. We're not Sadiqim. We're people who have sinned. Hengam Chaitamanu. And therefore he says, Hain Yeshalena Makatrigim Bamaram. Therefore there are many Makatrigim, there are many there are many Malachim, there are many angels in Shamayim who are prosecuting angels who have things to say about us. True things to say, negative things to say to report. About us, Avraham Shalom, but Master of the Universe, Shemir Kol Bichyos, who hears the crying of a Jew, he Avru Yomim Hanayroim. He says, "Look, the Yom Nayroim have passed. Yomim Kolkach Kedoshim, days that is that is so holy. Yomru Nahamastinim." Now the Rebbe screams out and challenges the those Malachim, the Shlachta Malachim, the dark angels. The prosecuting angels. The Rebbe challenges them. He's not afraid. And he says, Let me hear. My, I want to hear from these Mastinim. He says, I want to ask these angels that have, that have these, this Lashon Hara to say about all of us, that they're coming all the time with our Averis to show you. Do they know anybody in this world that tears themselves up now remember, they didn't have homes that are centrally heated like ours, and Slichus was not at 10 o'clock at night, there was 6.30 in the morning, right? Where you're so happy being. Zulas Yisrael, B'Kedushas Yom HaKippurim. If not for what? The holiness of the Jewish people davening and keeping Yom Kippur that causes the entire universe to shine. We pay your bills, he's saying. We're the ones who give you life. In other words, a chutzpah. It's true that we've done things that are wrong, and we have to do tshuva. But you, the Mastidim, Akatrikim, you have things to say about us? Mikdush is Yom Kippur, Mesukalulav Aminav, the Kedush of what? Of Yom Kippur, of Sukkis, Alulav, the Araminim. Yovov, Yaidu, Mastidim, Yaidu. Let these, I, I, he says, I challenge these Malach to come say Aidus. I have what to say to them. If, they, if they'll testify, I have what to answer them in Vaisdim. And he's not finished with them. Vaatem Mastinim and you, Mastinim. Eichloi, I have I have another question. He says, Eichloi Tiru Lekatrig Al Yisrael. How is that you're not afraid to even say these things? You're not. How is it you're not afraid to be Makatrig to say Kitrugim to say negative things about Jews? Af Michoitev Eitzenu V'Shoyev Memenu. Even a Jew who is a woodchopper. And a a, a Vasatrega, a water carrier. I he says the Rebbe says, You should be trembling, he says to these Malachim, you should be shaking and trembling in fear and awe before our water carriers. <laughs> before the simplest little yid. Laimilfanov. And I'm not saying that that Yankel the Vasatrega is perfect. That he's perfect, Yankel the water carrier. And I'm not saying that you should be trembling in his presence. 
But you should be trembling in the presence of the infinite God who fills Yankalda to Vasatrega. And nothing else, just Yankalda to Vasatrega. You should be you should be shaking in front of that. Kiduuna. So he says to these to these Malachim, to the Mastinim, you should know. That through the long and terrifying concealment of this Golas, of this exile, that gives the impression, there's an, there's an illusion, there's an impression that one would have that the actions of the Jewish people of Yanka the water carrier don't touch heaven, don't affect heaven don't mean anything, as if Hashem is impassive to the life and to the tefillahs and, and to the crying of that water carrier. And Golis gives the impression, the suffering of the Jewish people, and Golis gives the impression as if that even the most worthy Jew is not it's not even Kedai, it's not even worth dealing with from Shemaim. It's not even worth bothering with. The entire world fights against the Jew. And one would have the impression by looking at Golis that even from Shemaim they're fighting with the Jew. He's being thrown out. Even, from, even by Shemaim he's being cast away. Darkness covers everything. A Novi we don't have any Navi who can illuminate, who can bring light, a flash of light upon the darkness of the heart. And we don't have any Chayza, any prophet, who could strengthen, give strength to, to the knees that are, that, are, that are bending, that are shaking. Pachad Yivchad Leiv Kol and therefore, fear takes hold of the heart of anybody who looks at reality. And, and whoever, whoever thinks deeply about, about reality is overcome by, by, by uh, cramps, by trembling. Terror. He says, any Jew that still believes in Hashem, despite all of this that he sees around him, that the whole world fights against him, and even from Shemaim, it seems that he's rejected. And yet, this Jew persists, he perseveres in serving you, Hashem, and remaining attached to Avodah Hashem. It's because, because a Jew has within him the infinite one. Because a Jew has infinite, <coughs> infinite strength. There's something in a Jew that's absolutely, that's absolutely infinite. So he says to the Malachim, these Malachim that are the prosecuting angels, Gam you, Mekatrigim, you know that in the, in the hidden, in your hidden heart, he says to these Malachim, you're also absolutely amazed by this. And you know that with all of your great understanding, you can't even begin to understand. He says to the Malachim, you can't even begin to understand 
the simplest, most poshant little Jew. You can't even begin to understand. Because the simplest little Jew is Ein Saif, is infinite God. Like Kayach Adam Kayach The Kayach of a Jew is not human strength. And our attachment to Hashem is hidden, is not grasped and fully understood, even by the sorry mala, by the ministering angels above. The infinite one, who, is, who can't be contained in any boundaries, he dwells even within our children. And that is everything. He says to his Malachim, show honor and give respect to the king, to the Melech HaKovet who's within us. Instead of, instead of uh, bringing our various, instead of, um, instead of saying Lashnar about us. Fear Hashem, he says to the Malachim, instead of saying Ketrugim about us. Va'atem neshamas kedoshah is now listen. Now the Rebbe's not finished. So now he just, this was his, this was his fight with the, with the Makatrigim, with the Malachim. Now he turns to a whole different Eilam. Atem neshamas kedoshah. Now he's talking to the neshamas of the Tzaddikim, of the Ovis, of the Imohos, of everybody who's left the world. Va'atem neshamas kedoshah, avoseinu nevienu, our ancestors, the Ovis, Nivienu, our prophets, Ukadoshainu, and all the Sadiqim, the Nishamas, Mayroishvat Saif from the beginning of time till this moment who have left this world. How could you be silent at such a time? Right? Like Yumi Navi going and banging on the Kvaris trying to wake up the Ovis. How could you be silent? Lais Kazais. Mihailachem Kolkachis Aganaidin Biyam Kadoshim Ha'elu. So he's now saying to the Nishamas of the Ovis, of the Tzaddikim, the Nevi'im, didn't you enjoy Rosh Hashanah Kippur? It was beautiful in Gan Eden, no? He says, it was very nice by you in Gan Eden. So who do you think? He says to the Nishamas, who do you think, who do you think provided the energy for your Gan Eden? As Chazal said, in many places, it's through our Avaid in this world that you, the Tzaddikim, the Neshamas, that you're able to enjoy Kanadin. And why do you think that your King, Hashem, the Holy One, why do you think you, you were so close to Him, you felt so much His presence? During these last couple of days of Shemini Yatzeros why do you think you had that experience? more than any other days of the year. You there's no calendar in Shemaim. Why do you think that? Why do you think just the last couple of days was so geshmak by you? There's no zman. There's no. There's no time. There's no calendar. It's because of our Shemini Yatzeros. It's because of our Simchas Torah. And the effects that that had. Our hakafas had upon that higher world. What should one day make a difference from another day? It's always Hashem. You're always in that place. It's the joy and the recruiting, the dancing of the Jewish people that has brought this about. 
Somebody told me yesterday an unbelievable thing that he heard from somebody from his mishpach or heard it from someone that, that, that knew of it firsthand. That that the uh, you know the Klosenberger went to a lot of tsars in the in the war. That that it once happened that the that the that the Klosenberger was beaten to the point he was beaten up so badly that that he, that uh, that there wasn't anything left of him. He was mamish beaten to the point of death. And it was on and it was on it was on Simchas Tyra. And and they left him the Germans Yamakshamam left him lying on the ground lifeless. And the and the, the the people, the other Jews who were there, they were crying and they went to schlep the Rebbe back to the to the uh, barracks, whatever that was. They went to bring the Rebbe back. And he was almost dead. They couldn't see any life in him. They thought he was dead. And the only thing that was moving were his toes. His toes were wiggling, that was it. But the rest of him was there was no there was no movement at all. And and finally, after quite a few days and weeks, the Rebbe was brought back, he was revived, and and they asked the Rebbe and uh, they asked the Rebbe about, about what was he sensing anything? Did he did he know what was going on after that beating? The Rebbe said yes, that he was wiggling his toes. And the they said they said that was the only thing that was moving with his toes. So he, they asked him why. So he says Hakafis. Hakafis. Can you imagine? Haflevafelu. <coughs> Absolutely astounding. I heard that. I couldn't stop thinking about it last night. Hakafis. It's Hakafis. His toes were wiggling. That was Hakafis. No? So the Rebbe saying, where do you think it's coming from? If not for the Simcha, the Rikidas, Yisrael, Asasas, Kalayla, the Simcha, the Rikidas, the Rikudim, the dancing, the Simcha of Yidin. That's what brought about all that light, that, that unbelievable experience that you all had in Ganeid in the last couple of days. When Jews are dancing, when Jews rejoice, the actual soul of a Jewish person is revealed, whether he knows or he doesn't. And, that's, and that has that effect upon Shemaim. And the dance of the Jewish person, the little simplest Jew here in this world, that dance touches and draws Avram Avinu into the dance that's taking place in the Shemaim. Let's just finish this paragraph. Can it be any other way? Is it possible that this unbelievable avoid of the Jewish people during Simchas Taira, the joy of the Jewish people, could it be that it wouldn't bring great joy to Hashem? Can it be that in our dancing before Hashem in this world, that all the souls and all the angels were not dancing together with us. A Jewish person stands his entire life under the burden, the yoke of serving Hashem. But when it comes to... When it, so a person like gets up for minion, he keeps the mitzvahs, he stands, he keeps Hashem's mitzvahs all, of his, all year, all of his life. But he says, but to rejoice before Hashem, that's the hardest thing in the world for a Jew, because all the tsarists that these people had, and yet to see them, to see them with the, with the, with the, the simcha and the rikudim, the simcha and the rikudim, there is a rashiva in Pisgah, Rav, Rav Kanarik, all of a shalom. You remember? He was a, he was a big rashiva 
in Peekskill. It was an Adam God. And he said that he said that where he lived, where he was learning, he was learning in Kamenetz. He was learning in Kamenetz. I read this by, by Shabbat Shuvah, I think, I, I, or maybe I just didn't know. I, I did it uh, in Brooklyn when I gave that shmooz. My wife gave me this thing from Rav Kanarik that, he, that he, he wrote, he said. So he said that in Kamenetz, there was a Kabrina Shtivel, of Kabrina Hasidim. Lachevich Kabrina Slonim, that's of uh, Russian Hasidim. There was a Kabrina Shtivel in Kamenetz, he said. He says that, and, and Rav Kanarik said that the Jews, in the, these Jews in the Kabrina Shtivel, on Shabbos, all they had was a piece of black bread and herring. Stale of hard black bread and herring. That's all they had, Shabbos. Shabbos. And he said that we used to go, they used to, that they used to dance after Kabbalah Shabbos, Friday night, they would dance for two, three hours, these and they would say, he said in Yiddish, that they would sing. He, he said that he would pass by the shtibel. They, they, they would come, on the way home to eat. He said they would pass by the shtibel and they would hear these chassidim singing. And they were singing, who are we, who are we? What do we have? We have nothing, but we're Jews, we're Jews. We have nothing, who are we, but we're Jews. That's what they were singing, for, for screaming out these chassidim. With a, with a, so I, so I, was, I said as a joke, I said, if you, if maybe if we only had a black piece of black bread and herring, we would spend some more time in shul. I mean, you know, it's hard because we know that we have the kogel and the fish, right? So it's, it's, it's hard to stay, it's hard to stay focused. But, but, who, who could imagine such a thing? Who could imagine such a thing? That's what he says. also, and you know how hard it was for these Jews to be able to find simcha in their lives? Look, for, for us, you know, so each one has his pakel. But do we, do we, do we understand the Simchas Torah of the Rebbe himself, after his family was killed, that amazing Simchas Torah in Warsaw. But it was Bechlal without Masik. That Simchas Torah of the PSS, now the Ishkaidish, that was going to be a couple of years after he wrote this. It's really prophetic because he himself embodied everything he's talking about. Everybody killed, totally broken, everything finished and lost. And the Rebbe himself, the Bikudim of Simchas Torah, that Simchas Torah in Warsaw the, the entire night. That a Jew can only reach that level of simcha after Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. So the Rebbe, so, um, so unfortunately we, we have to stop here, but we're going to continue with this in Mitzvah Shem. We're going to continue and finish this, this piece next week. The Rebbe continues to describe the simcha of the Jewish people during Simcha's Torah and the effect that it has upon, upon the, the entire universe.